Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm joined once again by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. And by Tyrone Marshall. Good afternoon, Rich. And there's no beating around the bush this week. The international break is over. There's only one topic of conversation. We're recording this just before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's press conference on Friday. United versus Newcastle on Saturday. The return of Ronaldo. And yeah, Samuel, the... Uh, the excitement is, you know, palpable in, in the, the fan base. Everyone is just talk about Ronaldo. We've seen fans from other clubs talk about Ronaldo, players from other clubs talk about Ronaldo. It really is the buzzword this week. It is. There's no way getting away from it. There are going to be camera crews galore outside Old Trafford tomorrow. A number of them won't be allowed inside the stadium because of the accreditation process. It wouldn't be a surprise if United set a Premier League era attendance record given the demand for tickets, the the interest that it's peaked. Uh, I still think that's a bit of a tall order in these times of, of the pandemic, unfortunately. But it, it is an occasion to savour. It's it's worthy of a, a souvenir supplement, which the MEN's doing tomorrow. I think it's 20 pages or something like that. And... There's, there's no chance of Ronaldo not starting this game either. I think if, if Solskjaer was to somehow try and justify that, there's, there's just no justifiable reason to, to benching him. United have even had the benefit of him coming back earlier than expected from international duty uh, with, with Portugal. That went as perfectly as possible in that he scored those two brilliant headed goals against the Republic of Ireland and, um, and and took his shirt off, got booked, and that was him suspended for the game against, uh, I think it was Azerbaijan, wasn't it, in the week? So it's gone as perfectly as possible for United in terms of the preparations, and, and he has to start against Newcastle. Yeah, Ty, it's an interesting one, that, because I was almost thinking to play devil's advocate here, do you not think Ronaldo suits coming on for a standing ovation? The whole crowd, you know, having that one moment? Or do you think that he does have to start? I mean, the exception is it is Ronaldo, but we've seen with Varane and Sancho, they were both eased in. Of course, Ronaldo has been playing. He's had the international break, so, you know, he is fit to do so. And, you know, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. There is that, that exception. But do you not think that there's that slight case to say, give him, you know, maybe a minute that's got seven at the end of it and then just you let Old Trafford erupt for when he when he comes out onto the pitch or dear God yeah I mean we're we're approaching John Terry uh, territory here aren't we and and bringing him off after 26 minutes or bringing Ronaldo on after seven minutes or or something like that Um, I did speak to United fan yesterday actually he said he thought Ronaldo might come on for the final half an hour but I mean good luck telling Ronaldo that that's the plan I just I can't see a scenario where he doesn't start really we know how fit he is. He obviously played 90 minutes in, in international duty and then got his timely book in. Posted that photograph on photograph on, on Instagram last week where he had his top off enjoying the, the year-round sunshine we get in Manchester. And from that, he looked, he looked pretty fit, looked in decent shape from that photo. I'm just not sure he's the type of player you can say, you start on the bench today, we'll bring you on for a reception. I think you know he'll get a thunderous reception at, at 2pm when the team's announced. It's, you know, someone said yesterday, United, it's going to be the first time it's a full out for the warm-up, probably. And you can imagine that it, the stadium probably will be pretty much full at 20 past two when the players come out for a warm-up. It's going to be complete fever pitch. And, yeah, I guess there's an argument you could bring him on and, and raise the roof. I think you raise the roof when he starts. His first touch, his first pass, it, the first of many shots. I think everything he does is going to be greeted with 
with delirium really and you know it's 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 understandable the last two weeks I mean I've been out of the country for a little bit I've been on holiday but even just checking Twitter every now and again when I have a reception all, all you see is people talking about Ronaldo and it's understandably reached fever pitch really it's been been incredible two weeks even just for us covering the club and you know to be there tomorrow is going to be a, a real privilege and just imagine weeks a month ago we've been doing a 20 page supplement for the return of a, a prodigal son to United, you'd be thinking, God, uh, can we fill 20 pages about Tom Heaton? And, it, you know, it has been uh, an, an incredible, incredible few weeks, really. And, yeah, I, I I can't see a scenario where he doesn't start tomorrow. Yeah, I think that maybe my devil's advocate ploy won't won't work there. But like you said, the time you said, well, well, there is a MEN special supplement, which will still be out whenever you listen to this. So Ty and Samuel have both tweeted it, so you can check them out on Twitter, at Samuel Lucas and at Ty Marshall. And, you know, you'll be able to find them from there. And, you know, we could put a link in the in the description as well if you want to get your hands on one of those Ronaldo supplements. Ronaldo uh, then, Samuel, this sounds like the most stupid question I've ever asked in my life, but... What should United fans expect from him tomorrow? Do you, him through the middle, the end of Cavani as the number nine this season. What is the realistic expectation from Solskjaer of Ronaldo? Can we expect to see him still getting you know, 30, 40 goals a season? We know the press conference is in just over 40 minutes' time and I really don't know what to ask Solskjaer in relation to Ronaldo. It's, it's difficult to think of... Solskjaer providing an interesting answer that the man we want to hear it from is is Ronaldo and it's it's not a surprise that United haven't done an official presentation for him they don't do press conferences for new signings they've not done that uh, in in England at least since 2015 which was with I think Memphis Depay maybe that was the reason why they've stopped doing them but it, it is logical of, of them to have ceased this this practice when Real Madrid signed Ronaldo, when Juventus signed Ronaldo, there were official presentations, press conference, he was accessible to supporters. Um, United want their cake and, and, and eat it. They they want the crumbs, they want everything. And it's you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty amateurish really, but that's that's the way they've operated for quite some time and I suppose the engagements and the impressions will sound good on the on the conference call when Richard Arnold takes over the mic next week. So uh, we can't begrudge Richard Arnold that moment because he's going to get it. But in terms of the position and everything, it, it does it does feel all rather moot. It, it feels rather anticlimactic in terms of approaching the, the press conference and what's going to be said in it because there's not much more to add with a player of, of Ronaldo's calibre. He's achieved just about everything in the game. We know why he's come back to United. Uh, it he's he's not a player who's just going to toss it off if he wanted to you know go to the retirement home he'd he'd go to a league where you can win it at the drop of a hat or there's there's no real competitive edge to it he's come back to the most competitive league in the world um, i'd say anyway and he's got that hunger to to win and the, the question certainly i would like to ask ronaldo is what makes you think you're coming back to a team that is on the cusp of a new era of success because United haven't won a title in, in over eight years. When he went to Juventus, they were champions. They had been Champions League finalists recently. When he went to Real Madrid, you know when you go to Real Madrid, you're more often than not, you're expected to finish in the top two every season and you are going for the Champions League every season. The objectives are very clear. It's not been as clear at Manchester United in the last for much of the last eight years, certainly. Uh, everybody knows what they want to achieve. The fans know that what 
they want to achieve, but they've not come close to winning the title. So that's a question that only Ronaldo can answer. Um, Solskjaer's view on that is is moot, as I say. So um, look, he he will start tomorrow. He will start through the middle. I don't think any of us on this call, um, on this podcast, sorry, care really about Edinson Cavani. He's going to leave at the end of the season. He's been a pretty good player for United so far, but when Ronaldo comes in, everyone has to bow to the king. Nobody really cares about Anthony Marshall's nose being put out of joint. He can hack the competition when a busted flush like Alexis Sanchez came in, never mind uh, a genuine great uh, in, in Ronaldo. So th- there's not really a, a really tantalising hook going into the game other than just you know, savouring the moment and then reflecting on what happens during a rare 3pm Saturday kickoff at Old Trafford. So I think in a lot of ways, and, and Solskjaer is probably the same, I think some of us just want to get up to kickoff and for the game to get underway so that we can see it all play out, see how Ronaldo plays, and then crack on from there. And, and hopefully United will put him up to speak to us in Bern on Tuesday. Sorry, Monday. The game's on Tuesday. Yeah, of course. Like you said, Sam, but it's just a case of it's like Christmas Eve, isn't it, for most United fans now? They just want to to get to that three pm tomorrow yes. and actually see it because I know United have been mocked on social media for their like twenty announcements of Ronaldo doing this, Ronaldo <laughs> doing this for the first time. But when you actually get to see him play and it all becomes a bit more real, that's when it will really sink, sink in. And Ty, an interesting maybe aspect which I'm again social might not be able to give too much light on, but you wrote about this I think this week is. The effect he might have on Bruno Fernandes, you know, for Portugal, they've never really been able to share that limelight because it is the Ronaldo show. And at club level again now, it will be the Ronaldo show. And Bruno Fernandes is probably going to lose penalty duty. He's probably lose free kick duty. And he goes from being the talisman, that sole person who used to clinch games for United, to now just being one of a one of a few, of a group, which, you know, is what United needs as a team. But maybe for Bruno Fernandes might be a bit more difficult. What do you expect the transfer, what type of impact do you expect the transfer will have on him? Yeah, I mean, he's going to lose his place in my fantasy team as well, which is, is probably <laughs> most most painful of all for him, really. And that's, I mean, as, as pithy a remark as that is, it probably does sum it up that a lot of people are expecting him to, to lose the limelight now. Yet for the past, how long has he been here now? 20 months, maybe? He has been the main man at United and... His, his record is absolutely incredible, but it's it never worked for Portugal, but I don't think United uh, Portugal have found a way to get the best out of Fernandes, regardless of Ronaldo being there, really. If anything, Fernandes' struggles with Portugal, I think, are a warning to Solskjaer about changing to a 4-3-3, and as much as we'd all like to see that, and like to see a, a world-class defensive midfielder, and then maybe Fernandes and Pogba as, as number eights, Portugal play Fernandes as a number eight and his numbers are just nowhere near the level of United's. And I'm sure part of that is that that's due to Ronaldo. Fernandes takes on a lot of high-risk passes. He takes on a lot of shots. When Ronaldo's on the pitch, you can't really do that because you'd need two balls to do it. So I'm sure there's an element of that. But at United, he plays further forward. You know, He's classed by a lot of people as a midfielder and breaking these midfielder records. But to all intents and purposes, he's not a midfielder at United. He's a, he's a second striker. So I think it's going to be interesting to see him playing so closely to uh, Ronaldo. You basically have a 9 and a 10 there who are both players who like to take on shots and, and take on the adventurous element. So you, you can see them losing the ball a lot. Um, you can see them scoring a lot as well, I guess. It, I think it is going to be an interesting dynamic. Uh, I think 
the position element means it won't be as difficult for them to succeed together as it is for Portugal. Um, but I do think it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how Fernandez copes. I mean, Toscar said before United signed him that Bruno was on to him trying to get him to come to United. So we know he obviously wants him here and, and why wouldn't you? But he will go from being, you know, he's been as good as Cavani's been, as exciting as Sancho is. Even at the start of this season, Fernandez is the main man. Everything at United goes through him. He's the one who really kick-started the improvement in Solskjaer's team. But now there's there's no getting away from the fact that Ronaldo is going to overshadow him. So I think it will be interesting, and I think their games are similar to a degree, and that they might end up in, in the same areas of the pitch. They might end up almost competing for you know the most adventurous shots they can take on and, and things like that. But I'm sure there's going to be occasions as well where they'll dovetail brilliantly. So it is, um, it is going to be one of the more intriguing tactical elements, I think, of, of how United set up with Ronaldo in the team. Yeah, exactly. I guess that is one of the few points of interest maybe going into that Newcastle game away from just Ronaldo as a sole focus. And Sam, the last question on Ronaldo for now, because I know it might become a bit overawing for the, for the fans listening. Um, for you, what are the, now the realistic expectations for United this season? Because Sancho, Varane, okay, throw Heaton in there, that's a decent summer anyway. Ronaldo just takes it to a whole new level. For Solskjaer, the pressure's all on him now. He can have no excuses about yeah. not having squad depth, not having the players at his disposal. He's got a squad which can rival any in Europe, never mind just the Premier League. What are the realistic expectations? Ronaldo wants to win trophies. He said he's got unfinished business, but the only thing he didn't win at Old Trafford was the treble. It, I mean, I know that's maybe a bit far-fetched, but what are, what are you expecting from United this season? What would you realistically be demanding? You're completely right about the the strength of the squad, and it was pretty perverse that in the final hours of the transfer window, you had some United fans online carping about their failure to sign a midfielder as if there's a massive gaping hole uh, in, in the middle of their of their team sheet. Which okay, I, I get that to a certain extent, but they have got a lot of midfielders, and they have got internal solutions to address that. The problem is there are still doubts about as as brilliant as this squad is there are doubts whether they have the right manager to manage this squad he's overseen gradual progress year on year they've climbed up the table but they've still not won anything and I don't think it was a coincidence that last season the, the worst the most egregious examples of Solskjaer's mismanagement were in cup defeats Leicester in the quarterfinals when he picked a really weird team and he made weird substitutions and they were thoroughly outplayed and deserved to lose and the Europa League final which was a, a dreadful it's just such a dreadful game but f before it even started it was pretty clear from a couple of decisions he made with the team that it would be very easy to pin this on Solskjaer if United lost it and they lost it so the pressure is all on Solskjaer now because Ronaldo I don't think anybody envisages him flopping at United. He, he's just too great a footballer to do that. However many goals he scores, however he plays, he, he is he's almost certain to succeed. If he doesn't succeed, then something fundamentally wrong. Um, there's something fundamentally wrong, more so maybe with United than Ronaldo, and people will try and pick holes as to what the issues are. But the pressure has been heaped on Solskjaer because, I think Ty said it to me um, the other week, if Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola or Thomas Tuchel had that squad, they wouldn't just be expected to challenge for the league, they'd be expected to win it. And I do still think that although when Ferran and Sancho came in, that absolutely made United title challenges, when Ronaldo comes in, there is still justifiable 
um, expectation that they should they should win it, not just challenge for it. So that's the pressure that comes with it. And that's why, although this season could be the season of Ronaldo, most of the focus, I think, has to be on Solskjaer and whether he can manage that squad successfully. In terms of the midfield, there is an imbalance there. There are issues there. They do need an athletic, younger defensive midfielder who, who's a specialist in that role, but they haven't got that. They've got to look at internal solutions. They do have options there. They need to play... Solskjaer needs to play McTominay in a more defensive-minded role and he needs to um, utilise Matic more and they need to rotate that role successfully. I, I get that, I think it was Southgate who said it during the European Championship, or Steve Holland might have said it, that it's not fantasy football, and one of them made the point of how many managers out there actually play with one holding midfielder. And, and it's a valid point. Liverpool have been brilliant in recent years, but it's always it's never just been Fabinho on his own. There's always been somebody mucking in with him, whether it's Jordan Henderson, Thiago Alcantara plays in a deep role, James Milner... Um, you know, is is a very is a very industrious midfielder and still is for Liverpool. Manchester City may be the only exception. It seems it's very rare that Guardiola will not will play Fernandinho and Rodri in the same team. And look what happened when he didn't start either of them in the Champions League final. Mason Mount saw a massive big gap, played the ball through. Kai Havertz scored. Chelsea won the Champions League. But United have got such a brilliant attack and such a brilliant defence as well, lest we forget, that they can, against the majority of opponents, I think, get away with playing one holding midfielder. There is no way against Newcastle that it should be Matic and Fred, or Matic and McTominay if McTominay is fit, or McTominay and Fred. I know McTominay and Fred work well against Leeds, that was because McTominay, although he will play deep, he is given licence to get, get further forward. We saw that in the Europa League final when he outperformed Paul Pogba. And that's, that's the issue with Solskjaer. That pretty much sums it up with him and, and the midfield in that when it came to that Europa League final, he did get the balance wrong. He relocated Pogba and Pogba was outperformed by Scott McTominay, which isn't the first time it's happened, but it wasn't supposed to happen on that occasion. So I, I really do think that Solskjaer has to... It's really strange with, with Silverware these days. If United were to win... Um, Say say they you know they they finish runs up in the Champions League final and they're beaten to the Premier League by an added time goal on the fun day of the season as was the case in 2012, and and they don't win anything, then do you sack him on that? You probably don't because the margins are that fine, but say they were to win I don't know the League Cup or the FA Cup, but they're well at, well off the pace in the title race. They go out of the Champions League at the group stage or they don't get very far in the Champions League. Do you keep him just because he's won the League Cup? I'd say no. I think that it's it's very, very difficult to predict um, what they should do with him unless you know at the season's end how it's ended up for United. Um, you know, As I said, they, they could end this season trophyless, but there could be a compelling case to retain him still. They could win something this season, but there would be a compelling case to sack him. It is not as black and white as it used to be with silverware anymore. And Louis van Gaal, the only trophy he won at United, uh, he could barely savour it on the day. And two days later, he was being driven out of Carrington with with more money than Scrooge McDuck in his vault with his compensation package. So, as, as I said, although Ronaldo is the story, 
the scrutiny is not going to be on him. It is going to be on Solskjaer because he's got an enviable collection of players and United have got their best squad since Ronaldo was last at the club. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's Manchester United, anything other than a trophy anyway, and, and the title should be the, the minimum expectation. So when you've had that sort of investment, I full, wholeheartedly agree with you there, Samuel, that, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how Solskjaer deals with it. It's going to be a really interesting season ahead. One other maybe element which could be discussed at the press conference shortly is that of Fred and this uh, five-day ban which has been imposed by the Brazilian Football Federation. They've triggered FIFA rules, which means any players who are called up but prevented from joining them on international duty are un- unavailable for selection between the 10th of September and the 14th. For United, that would mean Fred misses the game against Newcastle this weekend as well as the match against Young Boys on Tuesday. Ty, a really interesting one. I think Jurgen Klopp's just spoken about it himself, about the players that he could have, he could be missing out with this weekend. There's no, at the moment, any solution to that. What do you make of the situation? Um, well, I mean, it would be a complete embarrassment, I think, if, if this ban was upheld. You, you you can't see what happened in the Brazil-Argentina game and seriously think the clubs have made the wrong call here. Um, you can sympathise with the federations who want their best players, but it is just completely unrealistic that clubs are going to let those players go and quarantine for 10 days when they get back. And Solskjaer said it a couple of weeks ago when he was asked about um, Cavani and Fred and Basically, you'd, you'd come, so they said they'd come back today, they'd quarantine for 10 days, so we'd miss three games. Then, as much as you want to train in a hotel on your own, it's nothing like training for, for a football match. And Soska said it would take another 10 to 14 days to get match fit, and then they're going again, and then quarantine again for 10 days. You could basically spend three months without just getting them fit for international duty. So I think the clubs are well within their right. The Brazilian Federation have undermined their own case by basically saying to Everton, you can, Richardson can play because he, he came to us for the Olympics and you've been nice to us. I mean, they were nice to him because they had no manager to actually make any decisions. So, you know, it's it's completely farcical, I think. And it would be ridiculous if, if these bans were upheld. Um, I guess from a United point of view, it's you know it's certainly not ideal that Fred wouldn't be available when McTominay's out injured as well. But it wouldn't be catastrophic given the game. Um, you know, Newcastle will probably be the least ambitious team to come to Old Trafford this season. They're dreadful to watch under, under Bruce. Although they, you know, they pick up enough results to stay up, but they're dour to watch and dreadful to watch. They've got no Callum Wilson this weekend, so you know you could you could play with me or Samuel in defensive midfield, I think, and get away with it this weekend. It's you know I, I don't think it's going to be an issue, um, but I can't see any good reason for, to to stop him playing. And the interesting thing is going to be, I know Samuel touched on it there, and the midfield setup. I thought at, at the start of just going back two weeks now, but at the Wolves game a couple of weeks ago, watching the midfield setup early on, it very much felt like Fred was. 15 to 20 yards deeper than um, Pogba. They weren't in a horizontal line at all like Fred and McTominay often are. Yet Pogba's position just sort of got dragged further and further back as United were completely under siege and it ended up that Pogba got further back and I mean Solskjaer said he controlled the game second half. I wouldn't go that far but it, it did feel like Solskjaer had sent that midfield out with the intention of getting on the front foot and being aggressive and Pogba playing 15, 20 yards ahead of Fred but as the match wore on, Pogba realised he needed to drop deeper. So against Newcastle, you can I think you can get away with Fred and or Matic and then Pogba further forward just because they, they're going to be so unambitious. But, Do I dare say Donny van der Beek or is that... Is that well, a... yeah, I mean, he's, you know, his, he must be wondering. Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to know what to make of that situation, isn't it? Because Solskjaer's so positive about him in press conferences. From what, you know, van der Beek and his, his camp have said, they're getting 
positive word from Solskjaer and he trains like a demon every week, but it's not a kick in three games now. And yeah, you're right. I mean, if Fred doesn't play, I guess it's an ideal one to throw Van der Beek in maybe, but I don't know. It's hard to see where he gets a game for, for United, to be honest, because he's he doesn't seem to be trusted in those positions, does he? So I don't really I don't really see any any long-term future for him if, if Solskjaer ain't going to play him. No, exactly. Especially if he's not, this time next week, if he's not made an appearance, then there's some serious alarm bells which need to be rung, particularly mm. with that young boys game in the in the opener. Samuel, you've already hinted at it anyway. Newcastle this weekend, your team selection, you're suggesting that United do go a bit gung-ho. They probably don't even need a defensive midfielder against this Newcastle side. I mean, look at them. It's I mean, it's as much of a win as that Sheffield United game that we always allude to, where we all predicted a, a thumping and then United lost it. So what, what could possibly go wrong? But in terms of your team selection, who would you go for this weekend? Well, I think Matic does make sense and that there's your holding midfielder and then you can let Pogba off the leash, Fernandes off the leash, uh, Greenwood has to start, Sancho had had an underwhelming August to to say the least and he, he's got to get up to speed pretty quickly I think he's he's been quite fortunate in that because he didn't start the first two games and then at Wolves it was all about Ronaldo that his performances have gone under the radar but there will come a point when a 72.9 million pound signing at Manchester United gets scrutinized it's it's just a matter of time but for now it's it's sensible for him to continue provided he's fit enough um, because he, he obviously withdrew from the England squad but he's it just doesn't seem to be clicking for him at England level for for whatever reason of course during the Euros there were there were definite issues with with his training level um, among the coaching staff that was why he wasn't playing very much at all before he came in for for the Ukraine game in in the quarterfinals but. I, Look, I think I think nine of the players are pretty much nailed on to start. Uh, that that'd be De Gea, Maguire, Varane, Shaw, Wambasaka, uh, Pogba, Fernandez, Greenwood, Ronaldo. The, the two places that are up for grabs really are that final third midfielder's role and the third forward. Um, I'd, I'd still expect Sancho to start, but I suppose it, it depends on his fitness. Uh, on on Van der Beek, there there is some logic in. In bringing him into the side and it'll be interesting to see depending on Fred's availability and McTominay's fitness what his position what whether he's starting whether he's on the bench on the day but I think what doesn't all go well for Van der Beek is that clearly he was prepared at the last minute to take the easy way out jump out of the pressure cooker and go to Everton now Everton are a club that are completely devoid of pressure, pretty much. They've not won a trophy since 1995. You look at the squad that they've assembled, they they spent the, I think they were the lowest spenders in the Premier League in the summer. If if they get top half this, this season again, that's seen as reasonable. Uh, there's no expectation on them to do anything, to win anything, to get in the Champions League, to get in the Europa League. I do not think it really reflects well on Van der Beek that as a Manchester United player, he was prepared to take the easy way out and just go and play down the road at Everton because their sport, their director of football is Dutch. Um, that That's the kind of thing that is just... I mean, Solskjaer is clearly sceptical of him anyway, but when he's prepared to do something like that, you think, well, it's, it's entirely justified. I know that Solskjaer has underused him and there have been occasions where he should have played him more and particularly at the start of last season van der beek was coming on and he was influencing games when it came to the, the turning point was clearly that 
West Ham game in early December where he, he had his first half was a horror show and then he didn't start in the league again until May, I think it was. But when he has had opportunities, he's not really taken them. And I, I certainly remember in, in Gdansk just before the Europa League final, he did look very good in training. But Peter Crouch told an anecdote uh, years ago about how... Uh, former teammate of his was absolutely dreadful in training he used to get stick off the players the players thought very lowly of him but then he'd go home and he'd do an Instagram fitness video and all the fans who are wondering why is this guy not playing for Stoke or whichever team it was Crouch was at the time uh, would be saying why is he not playing the team when he's so dedicated and all his teammates are thinking like he's he's deceiving them here I'm not saying that's the case at all with Van der Beek but I think I wouldn't be surprised if Solskjaer's opinion of him is, is even lower because he was prepared to go off to Everton when he's just got to he's got to knuckle down and he's got to look at the examples of Fred and Mikatarian and Herrera. But the, the difference with those players was that they did have breakthrough moments in their first season at United. Van der Beek hasn't. And certainly, I mean, he's, he, his agent has said it already, Van der Beek said it already, uh, because they've gone on the offensive this week. Um, with, with with the interviews that they've given, that if he has another season like he had last season, then he has to go. And fair enough, if, if that is the case, then you might as well get rid and there's your leverage to get a midfielder in next year, whether Paul Pogba stays or goes. Yeah, exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head there again, Samuel, and it's a, certainly another solution that Solskjaer needs to find. Uh, Ty, last one for you. I think it was you who gave that infamous uh, prediction back. Was it in February of United Fresh and Sheffield United? So uh, Newcastle at home, the team without their star striker. They've not got Ryan Fraser either. United, Ronaldo's homecoming, a raucous Old Trafford, 3pm, traditional Saturday kickoff, full house. What more could you expect? How many? Is that the question rather than if United are going to win? Um... Yeah, yeah, it should be. I mean, Newcastle don't tend to get hammered, I guess, mostly because they are so defensive. And the one thing you'd say is it's going to be the easiest team to walk Steve Bruce's life, isn't it, basically? I mean, Newcastle have been disrespected, I guess, in the build-up when we've done it over the last half an hour on this podcast. But it has been all about Ronaldo and Bruce could just turn around to his players and say, you know, the only reason, the, the only people, the only person they're interested in today is Ronaldo. So go and prove him wrong and whatnot. And hopefully more eloquently than that, and you know it is a very, a very easy team to up for him. But fundamentally, you know those players are playing for Newcastle. They're, you know, they're, they're by no means a vintage Newcastle side. They're dour to watch. I'm sure they'll be defensive, but at some point, United are going to prize them open. And you know it might not be a thrashing, but something would have gone catastrophically wrong if United aren't winning a game like this relatively comfortably. So how many are we saying? That's my uh, question. <laughs> Give me the demanding, numbers. aren't you? I'll say 3-0 Samuel? I was going to say 3-0 as well and I will say 3-0 5-0, you heard it here first Oof. There you go We'll see you next week to see how badly our predictions work Samuel, Ty, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester Red Podcast Thank you Rich Thank you Rich Yeah, we'll see who is closest to the scoreline next time we reconvene next week. But as always, thank you very much for listening. And as always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you're not already. We'll see you again next time. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Ronaldo return. Take care.